today? February 7th. Yeah. All right. Somebody play along. It's Super Bowl Sunday. That's <laughs> right. Brady Day. Hey, you know, the truth is, there are probably people in this room, there are probably people in every room, everywhere, in every gathering that will occur today, all over, wherever, that really could care less, no offense intended, but could care less about what happens with this game today. Right? Some people want to cheer, some people really just aren't into it. But the reality is, it's a big day. It's a big day because it impacts everybody. It's a big day because we are all aware that it's going on. It's a... It's the biggest cheese consumption day of the year. See? It's the biggest cheese consumption day of the year. Why would you not get excited about this? It is a big day. And, uh, you know, as a preacher, uh, we struggle with days like today. We struggle with them because I don't have any intentions of preaching a message today on the Super Bowl, except I can't just skip it all together because you would think, where is our pastor? Where has he been? Hello? Does he get outside? So I want to tie in just a couple of things about the Super Bowl, but obviously that's not the primary reason why we're here, and it's not the priority that I have on my heart today. So I bring it up for this reason. When I think about the two teams that are playing this year, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm old enough to remember when neither one of these teams were worth celebrating at all. And, and I, again, I don't mean that ugly. I just mean that as an observation. I, I'm not a huge NFL fan. Uh, but, but that's a reality. And, and so it's a little surprising even today, not that I've been absent for the last couple of years and, and unaware of what's going on, but it's surprising to me, even today, that in the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The who is playing the what? Exactly. The who is playing the what? Even in a time of COVID, how did these two teams get here? And so it occurs to me, well, it wasn't by accident, right? They didn't just luck up and get here. A lot of things had to go into them getting here. Some significant changes, frankly, had to occur, right? I mean, some people in, in positions of authority, in positions of, uh, well, they, they had the ability the authority and the power to do something about their teams had to make some changes. They had to change some personnel. They probably had to change some approaches to the game. And along come two guys that head up the on-the-field squads. Brady and Mahomes, right? Now, depending on who you're for, depending on which side of the table you, or which side of this game you find yourselves on, uh, you might be looking at this and thinking, wow, this is really going to be a bad day because how in the world are you going to de defeat a guy who's won six Super Bowls, right? I mean, how are you going to beat a guy who, I mean, at his age, what is Tom, 43? 40, I don't know. That's the new 23. That's the new 23, right. Yeah. Tom Brady is by any stretch of the imagination 
beyond the typical years of quarterbacking a Super Bowl team. But having won as many as he has, how in the world are the Chiefs going to defeat him? I mean, in some ways, you're really working against the odds here. And it would be very easy, I think, for the Chiefs to say, you know what, forget it. It's just not going to happen. I mean, we're going to show up, we're going to play our best, but hey, if we get beat, I mean, look who beat us, right? How many of you Chief fans? Well, I don't know. How many are you? We have a Chief fan? Chief? Chiefs fans in here today? Andy Reid fans. Andy Reid fans? Yeah, okay. Uh, so does that mean everybody else is Buccaneer fans or we just don't care? Excellent. Good. Now, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you may be pleased that you've got Tom Brady, but let's face it, Patrick Mahomes is a formidable foe, right? Tough to beat. And they are the reigning Super Bowl champions. And even though you're playing in your own backyard, how are you going to beat a team that has put together the personnel they have and has done what they've done? How are you going to beat them? Superior defensive play. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. It would be very easy for a lot of people to think in their minds, there's no way we're going to beat this team. Now, you may be wondering why I'm setting up the negatives here. Why I'm wondering or even considering what it would be like for these two teams that have reached the pinnacle of success in the NFL world to be looking at their opponent, looking at the day, looking at the game, and saying to themselves, eh, you know, hey, we'll do our best, but we can't beat them. We can't overcome this. We can't win in this situation. Why would a preacher of the Word of God be standing up here saying that today? That's what people do every day. Ouch. Ouch. Did you hear that? Don said, because that's what people do every day. Fair quote. Did I get it right? That's because what people do every day. If you don't believe God is here in this midst, if you don't believe He has come today to share His Word with you, then you've missed the fact that Don just came in and gave you the line I needed you to hear today because it's the Word of God. And I didn't know Don was even going to be here today. Don't miss the opportunity to listen to what God has to say to you today because it's becoming increasingly clear to me that he has a message for you. Even those of you who are watching by video. It's an important day. It's an important day to consider what we believe and what motivates us and what moves us to action and what feeds our decisions and our outlook. It's an important day today to consider why I do what I do, why I think what I think, and if in fact there's any real hope for change. Now why would I bring that up? Because unless you've been more absent than I have been from NFL, 
unless you've had your head buried deep, 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 deep undercover. You know, as well as I do, that we have been for months in a very tough spot as a people, not just in this country, but all over the world. And not just because of COVID. Increasingly, we as a people, for whatever reason, have been have reached the place where we increasingly believe that what's going to happen is going to happen. We've increasingly believed as a people of free to choice, as a people who have freedoms that unlike any, any group of people anywhere in the world, in the history of the world, we in this country have come to believe that our freedom may apply to my individual rights, but it doesn't really have anything to do with my responsibility because I don't have a choice. I'm conditioned to do what I do because of all the stuff that's happened. Stuff in my past. Stuff from my parents. My genes. Things that happened in the community or the environment or the schools. Things that I can't control. Diseases that happen, illnesses that happen, injuries that happen, stuff that happens at work, changes in our government, laws and regulations. I mean, really, how free are we, right? We have become a people who insist on our rights and believe still we champion the individual's rights but we have increasingly given up our true inside, back of the mind belief that we can make a difference, that we can change things, that circumstances in our lives can change and that I actually do not have to be a victim to the circumstances around me. Now we're not the first people to be in this place. And if you brought your Bible today, I want to invite you to open it up to the prophet of Isaiah, prophet Isaiah. If you don't know where Isaiah is, it's about right there. Yeah. Since you all have Jim's Bible, it's on page 1457. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. We're looking at Isaiah 40 this morning. We're going to begin in chapter 40, verse 21. Isaiah 40, 21. Isaiah was a prophet, a significant prophet. Isaiah was called by God to speak to the people of Israel, God's people. Actually, the people of Judah, if you want to be very specific, a part of God's kingdom. And he was looking well into the future. He was imagining a time, some scholars say. He was, he was looking well beyond his years and imagining the time when the people of God would be in exile. Exile because they had given up on God. Exile because they had looked elsewhere for the source of their needs. Exile because, in fact, they chased other gods. And he had ceased to be the God in their lives. 
and he allowed them to be exiled, not for their destroy, not to be destroyed, but for correction, for punishment. That's a tough thing to say today. We don't like to talk about punishment, but it's the reality. When we as a people mess up, there are still a lot of circles that happen to believe we have to be corrected. And sometimes we have to be punished so we change our ways. The people of Israel were, Isaiah was envisioning, we're going to be in exile. And in exile, you ask several questions. He was imagining that people would be asking several questions. Because keep in mind, in exile, you don't have any rights or privileges at all. You're in a bad place oftentimes. You're at the total mercy of those who are over you. And the people of God who had believed God's word, at least to a degree, had believed that they were a special chosen people, had believed that God was going to be over them and bless them and give them rights and privileges unlike others. We're going to find themselves in an upside-down world, and we're going to be asking questions like this. Has he forgotten us? Has he forgotten his people altogether? Surely he's forgotten us. How else would we be in the condition we're in? And the second question is, well, maybe, maybe he didn't have the power to do anything about it anyway. I mean, really. If he hasn't forgotten us, and we're in the place, that, in the condition that we're in, apparently he can't do anything about it. Isaiah knew that, and he's writing to the people in that, in that place, in their minds. And he says this, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He, meaning God, Yahweh, the God of ancient Israel, the God we know is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, this God, the Christian God, the Jewish God, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. In other words, he is well above. This is the God who is the creator. This is the one who was spoken of from the very beginning and spoke actually time and space, the beginning into existence. This is the one who's enthroned above everything. He brings princes, back in verse 23, he brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither like a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Isaiah is not saying God relishes in blowing away every leader. He's not saying this is some big, great, powerful guy who just... just relishes revels in his power and just looks down at the leaders and says poof that's not what he's talking about what he's saying is that he has this kind of power 
no kingdom on earth, no king, no leader, no matter how powerful and great, can withstand this God. He is mighty. And then he speaks as though God is speaking himself. He delivers God's word directly to his people. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. The prophet Isaiah is using God's word to tell the people, I've not lost my power. I am aware of what's going on. I see and know everything. I know where you are. I know the condition you're in, and I've not forgotten you. And I have the power to do something about it. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Now, if you don't believe that God is the creator, then this doesn't really apply, right? If you believe that we all just came about by happen chance, if you happen to believe that we all just kind of emerged with no particular rhyme or reason, then this doesn't apply. But if you believe that we're not here by accident, if you believe that we are here with a purpose and that there is one above us, bigger than us, who had a design and he is carrying out the purposes of that design, then this speaks to that one. This speaks of that one who is this powerful. And he's looking down on his people knowing where they are, acknowledging that he had something to do with the fact that when we walk away from him, we're going to have difficulty in life. And yet he says, I haven't forgotten you. You're never beyond my reach. You're never beyond my possibility of bringing you back, of lifting you up, of changing your circumstances, of transforming your life. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Let me read that again to you. And I'm going to change a word because I want you to get the sense of what he's saying. Those who wait on the Lord. Those who hope with confidence 
that God is going to make a difference and change your circumstances. Those who wait believing that he has the power and the desire to bring about good. For those, the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. If you're in exile, whatever that exile looks like, if you're in literal exile, you've been hauled off by people who have controlled you, who have probably done terrible things to you to subdue you, you need more than anybody a word of hope. And God is reminding his special people, I am the creator overall. If I could create everything, then I can change your circumstances and bring you out of this. I can do something new and bring you back into good blessing. <clears throat> but maybe you're not in that exile today because frankly, we wouldn't be sitting here if we were. But maybe you're in a different kind of exile today. Maybe you're in a place of no longer believing you can change your circumstances. Maybe things have happened in your life through physical health or the lack of. Maybe things have happened in your life through your employment or the economic situation and you no longer feel like you have control or possibilities. Maybe things have happened to you relationally and you find yourself in a, a place you don't want to be and you're not the one who did whatever to start with and now you find yourself in a, a hurtful place and you can't change it. And you feel stuck And frankly, you feel, even if you don't admit it out loud, deep back in, inside of you, you, think, you really wonder, can I make any change at all anymore? Or is this just the way it's going to be? God has a word for you today. He has a word for you that says, remember who I am. And remember my purposes. He has a word for you that says, just like he told his people back in that day, if you wait on me in hope, if you wait with confidence that I am good and powerful and care enough to change your circumstances and bring you into light, then I can do it. But if you continue to sit in your circumstances convinced that this is just the way it is, then where are you going to turn for help? There is but one creator. There is but one God. And for all the idols that we chase, this one loves us enough to pursue us in whatever exile we find ourselves in. This one loves us enough to remind us, even in horrendous circumstances, I haven't forgotten you, and I have the power to change even what you're in right now.
back away from this just a minute to, to tie this into the way I started it. And I ask you a question because I know sometimes this can get maybe to feel or maybe it feels like it's a little out of reach. If you were a person of influence with the Kansas City Chiefs or Tampa Bay Buccaneers a number of years ago, when all you knew was loss, and you accepted your circumstances, and you said, well, nothing really I can do about it because the Steelers will always be the Steelers. The Cowboys will always be the Cowboys. The so-and-sos will always be the so-and-sos. It's just the way it is. I don't have the money, I don't have the influence, I don't have the power to change. So I guess we're just gonna be who we are. What do you think would happen? You continue to be the same way. The message this morning is not intended to be about what we can do. But it is similar to those teams in this situation. It's similar in looking at really difficult circumstances and asking yourselves, is there a possibility of change? And if there's a possibility of change, who has the power to make that change? Now, I don't know what kind of powers you have, but I'm confident that no matter who you are or where you've come from, none of us have the power to change all the circumstances we face. I'm equally confident, more so, actually, that I know and you know the one who can. But it takes a change in, in mindset and thinking. It requires that we actually consider the possibility that the one who is that far removed from us, if you see God that way, has the care, the personal care for each of us individually to want to change things, to want to step into your life and make a change. Or if you're more familiar with Jesus as the one who comes alongside us and helps us out as our friend, then I encourage you today to consider the fact that Jesus is the one who has all authority and power in every realm. And even though he may be your friend and, and the one who loves you and cares for you, he has the power to change your circumstances if you let him. But you have to open up your mind and acknowledge the fact that he can and then ask him if he will. I think we've forgotten that. As incredibly simple as that sounds, I think by and large, God's people have forgotten that. We say it. We say it like we believe it. We tell people that's our message. God loves us. He's come to be with us. He can change our circumstances. He's powerful enough to do it. And then we go about our day-to-day -day living without hope, 
feeling stuck, confident that, well, I guess this is the way it's going to be because look at everything around me. We've just bombed. Which is it, folks? Today, I want to encourage you to believe that it's this God. It's the God we say, even though if it's not the one we actually believe deep in our hearts. And today, I want to challenge you to change your thinking. Today, I want to challenge you to consider deep in your hearts and minds, what if he really is this caring? What if he actually does know my name and cares about me personally? What if he actually has the power to change what I'd consider the impossible? Because I think the reason this story is, con is contained in the Bible is because if you were in that kind of exile, I'll guarantee you there's no way you saw any hope of anything changing. Unless somebody on the outside made the change. And I think the reason the church has lost its influence, I think the reason the church is no longer blessing people and people aren't turning to the church from the outside is because those of us on the inside have stopped believing that he really is who he is and he can do what he says he wants to do. So I encourage you today to look deep inside yourself and say, if he is who I say he is, then what do I need to start believing he can change? And what do I need to ask him to change and believe that he will? Because only then are you going to have an opportunity to let him show you what he can do in your life. It's a huge day today. It's a huge day not because we came to sing some songs. It's a huge day today not because we came to talk about the Super Bowl. It's a huge day today because it's Sunday. And for Christians... Sunday is the Lord's day. It's the day we remember that God raised Jesus from the dead. And if he raised Jesus from the dead, he can make any change in your life. Amen. Get that. It's Sunday. It's not Christmas. It's not Easter. It's just a Sunday in February. But every Sunday we gather in his name is an acknowledgement that the same Jesus, same God who raised Jesus from the dead can change anything in your life and mine. It's transformation day. It's transformation day. What do you need transformed in your life today? Will you pray with me?